I'm Phil Bottle, and this is the Creative Sheep Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Creative Sheep Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. Folks, my name is Jared Hogue, and right across this table from me is the one and only Roman Johnson. That's right. Hey, it's great to be here, and thanks so much for listening. Uh, this, this podcast is brought to you by creativesheep.org. Uh, it's your one-stop shop for premium media for the church. We have pre-made uh, stuff, and if you need something custom, there's a custom tab. You just click that tab, and we'll magically send an electronic message to our, our team of thousands of people at Creative Sheep, and we're going to put it through the process, and we'll get you something you need. That's that's so true. That's so true. Roman, I feel like we need to address, someone is blaring music right outside the studio right now. Yeah, so if you hear some, like, some uh, Gangsta's Paradise or some sort of, like, old-school hip-hop there's something happening right outside the studio, yeah. and it's ex- and it's loud, and I'm sorry. But we are so determined to bring you fresh content and a new episode that we are powering through. Yes. So please forgive the, uh, the ambient noise that's going on outside here, but it is happening. And you know, Roman, we always ask everyone to like, subscribe, and share. Yes. But before we do that today, we will do it. Of course. But before we do today, we've got to celebrate real quick. Because at the time of this recording, Roman, this podcast has been downloaded and listened to over 15,000 times. That is insane. That is insane. I've never had anything, uh, 15,000 of anything. <laughs> I'm going to get real <laughs> sentimental for just a second here. I feel like as a dude who grew up in a small town of cornfields, if, 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 if I can do this by the grace of God, and it is not just me, please understand, I am not that smart of a person. But if I can do this, people can do anything. That's like I genuinely true. believe that. That's absolutely true. It's been a been a wild ride. Yes. Uh, but uh, I've learned. I know me personally. I've learned so much through this podcast, uh, hearing the interviews, and yes. just and doing this with you. It's been awesome. Likewise, likewise. You know, a couple of dudes from humble beginnings, and uh, what God has done here is just incredible. This is listened to all over the world. Yes. Um, and people are buying stuff from CreativeSheep.org all over the world. So truly, from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, so again, though, if you would, please continue. It's because of you that we've been able to hit that milestone. So if you would continue to like, sub- subscribe, and share, uh, maybe even combine the two as I was just trying to right there, uh, we would certainly appreciate a little thunder out there. We've to got go a boombox. We've got thunder. Uh, it's just a, it's a whirlwind of audio stimulation happening in the uh, in the studio today. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, Roman, today is episode 39. Okay. Uh, and we're kind of continuing a little theme here. So last episode, we talked with Dre Murray, mm-hmm. uh, hip-hop superstar. Yes, Dre Murray. I love him. Uh, it was a great conversation about his creative process. Well, today, we're actually talking with uh, Phil Bodel. That's right, we are. Phil is the creative arts pastor of Westridge Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Georgia, not Georgia. That's not a thing. Not a thing. <laughs> but Georgia is in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and we're talking with him largely in part about the creative process. And spoiler alert, Hello. I did not do this interview. That's right. I put on my my interview hat and I grabbed my interview notebook, uh, my little flip pad, the one that flips over the top, and I and I was doing this interview. And this is the first one I've done. Yeah. It was great. So we've got a little theme going here for you for a couple of shows. Plus, if you want to go back, episodes five and six, we interviewed Whitney George from Church on the Move. 
phenomenal yes. interviews. It was part one and part two. I highly recommend you go listen to them. Those are, in fact, some of our most listened to episodes. Uh, go check that out. Whitney George, I think, fingers crossed, Whit might be coming back on the show, and I'm super pumped about that. Uh, awesome. Always love talking with him. Um, and so, anyhow, uh, you want to learn more about the creative process. Whit George, uh, Stephen Brewster was on the show talking about their creative process. We are the creative sheep. We are the creative sheep. Uh, and then Dre Murray, last, last episode. And Roman, let me stop blabbering, and let's get to your interview yes. with Phil Bodel. Phil, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, so uh, why don't we, uh, I'd like to learn a little bit about your, your backstory. How did you get your start in ministry, and, and what were you doing before you, you got into ministry? Well, uh, I'm a PK. I've grown up in the church since, uh, since day one, so um, I Growing up, my parents and parents would always wonder what I was going to do, and uh, along with everybody in the churches that I was growing up in. So they would always ask, you know, are you going to be a pastor like your dad? And I would always answer with, heck no, uh, yeah. there's no way. <laughs> right. Uh, that's how it usually started. And so, I mean, honestly, I just had no interest in ministry. I was passionate about things like music and creativity, though. And um, so early on, my, my dream, my desire was to be in a rock band like DC Talk. Um, I so, love, yes, I love that DC Talk was was uh, what you're going I'm after. St- still waiting for the reunion tour. Okay, yes, so, please. Uh, but you know, early on, I started learning guitar, and then I just had these fears of like, what if I find the perfect band that doesn't need a guitar player? They need a bass player. So I learned bass, and then I learned some drums and a little bit of piano because just I just wanted to be in a rock band. Uh, but you know, through that, then later on, I ended up getting into some like video stuff and because I wanted to create funny prank videos with my friends and then like a a lot of just little creative things like that. And, um, eventually it just turned out that God just kept on putting things in my life like this, that I was able to eventually use for ministry. So, um, and, uh, in my high school days, I got, got my start in leading worship and, um, creating videos and kind of leading everything. I was the creative department for the student ministry of doing anything. Right, <laughs> anything right. related to a computer or anything like that. So I was setting, um, setting up all the the stage and doing all the audio and leading the band and all that fun stuff, and and started just to really love that stuff. Still not really with the desire to do that in full time ministry, but was enjoying kind of growing in my and in, in my skills and in, in that area of my life and stuff. But eventually, I was either going to go to Belmont to do um, like record producing and doing music stuff like that, or um, do media communications at a school in Wilmore, Kentucky called Asbury. And so I ended up going to Asbury to study media communications. Again, still not with the desire to do ministry, but had an experience there that started to change my perspective um, and was starting to meet people that went to that school that were um, we're doing stuff in the, in the film industry and all kinds of different things, but also in the church world and, and started to go, uh, for the first time in my life, I was actually able to pick what church I went to, which was just different, uh, wow. and all kinds of fun too. Yeah. Um, but I went to a church called Southland, um, Christian church in Lexington. And, um, for the first time in my life, I really saw a church that I'm like, man, I could do this. Like I, they're, they're doing things that inspired me, that spoke to me in ways that I hadn't experienced before. And so it really was there where it started to click for me of like, maybe I could do use these things that God's been um, stirring up in me and actually use it for ministry. And so 
once that started, the floodgates opened and, and started, you know, doing, doing more of that stuff. And eventually, um, like my senior year, uh, around Christmas, uh, five months before I graduated, got a call from a church in Alabama that was looking for a web designer and just completely crazy scenario and ended up, um, you know, before I was even graduated, starting to work, uh, as a web developer there. And so it was in, in, um, in, doing that role in Alabama for a couple of years and then saw one tweet from Tony Morgan, um, Tony Morgan live, I guess if anybody knows him by that. And, uh, he sent one tweet out from, um, the church or from Western church where he was working at the time and said, Hey, we're looking for a communications director. Um, know anybody, you know, just a blanket tweet, to everybody. So I, I sent a tweet back and ended up, um, two weeks later meeting with the team here and, and that started my journey here. So now, now, uh, here in ministry, I've been at Westridge for six years and, um, started off the first four years as communications director. And now I'm the, um, over the last two years transitioned into the creative arts pastor role. So just love, love it here. Still never, never thought I'd be in ministry. Definitely never thought I'd be a pastor, but here I am. There love you go. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, does, uh, how has having a music background affected or helped you with the creative arts pastor role? Oh man. I mean, honestly, every, everything I did, even going back to being like 14 or 15 has played some kind of role in, in what I do. And so I'm like, I'm not the best at any one of the things that, that we do as a team, but, um, I'm probably the best at figuring out the, the, having a basic understanding to actually speak the language on how all those things come together and stuff. So, uh, you know, and, and it, the biggest thing is everybody's been in a situation where you've been in the creative and somebody comes in to, to evaluate what you're doing or, or change what you're doing. And you know, they don't have a clue about what they're doing. Right. And yeah. that was always a fear of mine for, for me. And so, you know, I don't, I don't try to be the expert, but it does give me a, a much better perspective to at least understand some of the challenges that go into um, creating videos or writing songs or, um, leading songs or leading musicians and all those things. So it's, it's given me probably more of a sensitivity more than anything to, to the creative process and to, um, not assuming things that sometimes are easy to assume, uh, in, in leading creative teams. That's great. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about how your, your team is structured there at Westridge? Yeah. So our creative, um, creative arts team basically leads the charge in everything people, see and hear and experience you know so we're we're partnering partnering with our other ministries and and um and creating worship experiences and and the primary probably the weekly big deliverable we do every week is we're, we're creating and crafting the worship experience and leading the charge in that um for our our sunday morning services as well as our wednesday services um but the way that we're structured we have uh, four departments that fall under the creative team which is uh, worship production, media, and communications. So it's a team of about 12 or 13 um, full or part-time staff with like with our worship pastor, worship leader. We've got like a production director um, that leads all of our set design and audio and video and all, you know, all the infrastructure there, along with a production coordinator, lighting, lighting designer that um, falls under him, and then a communications director and a social media manager. And then in our video area, we've got a media director, a live video producer, and then we have a project manager um, that is also my assistant and keeps all of our incoming and outgoing projects um, 
going uh, keeps us a little bit organized and keeps us um, from going too crazy. Sure. In the creative process. It can yeah. be, it can be, uh, there's a lot of details to manage with that stuff. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. So you've got, you've got a lot going on in your department. So how do you view your role as the creative pastor? What are you spending your time on typically? Man, I, I can't say any one week is the same, but probably at the end of the day, I would say, I'm I'm trying to focus on the first ten percent and the last ten percent, you know, of of the creative process. And we have a have an incredible team um, that is leading in each of their individual areas. And so, a lot of my role is is ultimately to give clear vision and direction, and and to identify the problems we're trying to solve at the beginning, um, so that that guides the creative process wherever we're at, whatever the whether it's a service we're creating or writing a, a script for a video or anything like that. I want to create that clarity so that um, people know what we're ultimately trying to create. And then ultimately, for me, is it, it's my role to step away and allow the team to produce what they're what um, what they're doing, and then to kind of come in and be able to be that last ten percent for whatever it is because. The creative process is messy. I mean, you can't, if anybody that's, you know, been a designer or done anything like that knows that you, you just lose your objectivity a little bit in the process when you're all the way in it. And so I try to not get too involved in any one thing because when I do that, I actually lose my objectivity in the process. So by kind of creating a clear direction and vision around what we're doing, um, whatever it is, I can step back and then ultimately in, in some ways kind of produce and, and just make little tweaks along the way to make sure it's heading the right direction. So Again, it's kind of that first first ten percent, last ten percent. Um, but I, you know, on on my role, I also serve as as the um, as the representative on our leadership team for everything we do. And so, um, I'm, I'm trying to remove barriers for for my team, but I'm also trying to um, best represent our pastor and um, the vision and mission of our church, and represent that well, and figure out what role we as a creative team can play to help that mission. Uh, be fulfilled. So there's a little, little bit of both. Sometimes it feels a lot more creative and sometimes it feels a lot more like um, being in um, in leadership meetings and stuff, but both both end up being fun, you know? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you talk about creative process. Do you have a defined creative process at Westridge or is it kind of nebulous or ha- could you could you put some uh, some words to it a little bit? Yeah, I, w- I would say it's probably two things. I would say it starts with culture. Um, more than process. You know, it's, we have a culture of evaluation where everything we do, we evaluate from the beginning, Um, beginning, middle, and end. Um, So we're always making tweaks, always adjusting. So that, that drives a lot about how we, how we handle the creative process. Um, But I would say from there, it really is a, is a creative flow, you know, on, on what we're doing in, in a rhythm on how we're, how we're developing creative. I mean, there's no more, um, there's, by by working at a church, you have have a a a, um, a Super Bowl in some ways, fifty two uh, days a week or a year. So we are sure. constantly creating for Sunday, and so obviously it's probably good for us to have some kind of rhythm and flow for how, how we are creating. Um, but I wouldn't say that we have like this established. Um, rule book for what we're doing because ultimately it depends on what the project is what the season is 
Uh, right now, we're just kind of exiting our, our Easter um, flow and moving into preparing for our camps that we have coming up um, and, and stuff like that. So it really depends on the season. But I would say what guides a lot of that is, the, is, is our culture of evaluation and ultimately really trying to nail down what the objective and what the problem is we're trying to solve before we care too much about what the creativity side of it looks like. So do you put a, a, put a premium on defining what problem you're trying to solve? Uh, on the front end before you even Absolutely. get into any, any work. So there's less changes. There's less um, that you can just establish kind of a creative brief before you get going. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause what I found is it's way easier just to say, Hey, we need a, we need a video opener. Let's go, go work on that and come up with some ideas. That's easy. It's, it's what's hard is to actually define. Here's what this needs to feel like at the end of the day. Here's what this needs to accomplish. This is what it needs to do for our audience, you know, and, and what part it plays in the service. So it's actually a lot more pressure than it seems. Yeah, but it's totally. so it's so freeing at the end of the day to know that you've given uh, you know clear direction and for your team to know here's what the bullseye looks like for this project and stuff. So. Um, that I mean, I I think that's critical for what we do again, because that's that's where I've I've been most frustrated through the years, but also um, where I've been most frustrated in myself as a leader sometimes, where I feel like, gosh, I didn't I didn't clarify what this needed to feel like, and now now I'm paying the price for it, or now my team is paying the price for it because I I didn't give them the clarity that they needed. Definitely. Uh, you, so you talk a lot about um, flow, and uh, you wrote a blog called Creative Flow and Weekly Rhythm. I kind of want to separate those out if I can. And, and can you talk a little bit about how, how would you define creative flow? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would say that at the end of the day, the heart behind creative flow for me comes from just a passion to solve creative problems. Um, it's not creative flow isn't always like systematic and streamlined. It's actually more of fighting the urge to stay where you at, are at creatively and to Fight, fight the urge to keep innovating and keep failing, keep learning, you know, keep keep um, finding compelling problems to solve. Um, because at the end of the day, creative flow is more of a lifestyle than it is something you just put on your to-do list every Monday morning. Um, so, you know, that's, I would say that's kind of the heart from what I've learned from, because I, th I think when you, when you try to make it a to-do list item, um, you lose the heart behind heart and passion behind what you're doing, you know? And so, um, the the most passionate artists that I know, the most passionate artists that that I um, follow and admire, it, it's not coming from something that they have to do. It's something coming from something that they get to do, and so the weekly rhythms and the and the and the processes just help guide that passion that they have. And when you have that passion, it actually inspires other other people to be a part of that passionate process and creative process to be able to do something that could be innovative and and special, and that ultimately could create life change in our audience. That's great. In uh, I don't know if you've read Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull. I am like midway through, and it's it's incredible. It's a, it's yeah. such a great book. I'm a huge huge Pixar fan, and I've watched the documentary, read the book. I'm just I'm a fanboy. So uh, he talks about I don't know if you made it this part, but he talks about something called the Beast, and that th that there's a machine that they have created that they have to constantly feed to make better and more movies. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, for, for a church, it is, it's what you're talking about earlier. It's the weekend that there's always a weekend kind of breathing yeah. down your neck and it's, it's always, it's going to be coming every single week. And so how do you, how do you balance uh, innovation and, and trying new things with, with the fact that there is a weekend every seven days <laughs> or six yeah. days? 
Oh, that's a great question. I mean, a couple of things come to mind. I mean, I, I don't innovate just for innovation's sake at, at the end of the day. I mean, it's not innovation's fun and I love change. I love, um, I love creating new, um, new rhythms and new, um, new projects and all that stuff. I, I, I love change, but I know not, not everybody else does, and especially the church, but you know, so sometimes creative leaders fight that by just innovating all the time. And, and it, sometimes it doesn't go anywhere or it's not steered anywhere. So for, for me at the end, at the, at the heart of what I do as a creative leader is to try to create an environment where our community can connect with God. I mean, that's when, when we're creating any kind of content, when we're creating services, we want to create an environment where our community can connect with God. And what I found in our innovation process is our innovation process is actually more of a byproduct of our evaluation, you know, of uh, evaluation everything that we everything that we do and so you know we through that culture we we evaluate every week like what's working what's not working what's missing and confusing so after the first service that we do we're always asking those questions trying to figure out um you know through that like what worked and why like why did that song work why is that song connecting with our audience and and um what is it about that that we can learn for the future that we can help um you know, continue that, uh, continue those wins because we, we're finding something that's connecting, you know, yeah, do you other have, times we're, sorry, do you ahead. have multiple, ser- multiple services, multiple campuses? Uh, we have multiple services. We have, we have three services. Okay. Gotcha. Um, right. Yeah. Um, in the morning. So we, we do a, our Sunday morning is structured. Like we, we don't do a rehearsal during the week. We have a, our rehearsal first thing Sunday morning at six forty-five. Then we do, so we do a full rehearsal and then we do a full run, full production run through with everything. And then, um, a, a pause. And then we do our, um, our, the first of our three services. So that whole morning we're evaluating. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And are you changing, are you changing and things I'm, I'm, for the weekend? Uh, potentially like that if, if something doesn't work in the first service do you do you change it for the others yeah so that after the first service we always we um we bring our whole team together and just talk through those four questions for the most part and i'm during that time i'm always making notes of, of little things that connected or didn't connect um you know of what was working not working missing or confusing and that's where we're making those adjustments sometimes we've gotten to the point now where it, most of those changes are are happening during the week you know, they're happening as we're kind of prototyping our service and listening through it. We're, we're fixing a lot of those problems before they ever happen. But every once in a while, something happens and it just doesn't feel right, you know, once we get into it. Um, and so some t- hopefully we're catching that in our, our run through and, and production run through. But, you know, every once in a while we find something that we think, man, if we made this little adjustment, this is going to make this connect better uh, in the service. And so we're doing that after our, our nine o'clock um, first service uh, on Sunday. And are, yeah. are, are you, um, with your, with your creative team, I'm curious, are you week to week or are, are there certain things that you plan out in advance? And if there's a big video coming up, do you know that in advance or are you week to week with, with everything? No, we, we definitely plan. I mean, there's, there's always the, we always try to create enough margin in our week where if there's something that, if an idea strikes or if there's something that we think would, would help um, connect with the message or connect with that service. We're, we're all about hustling to make that happen. But for the most part, we are, you know, we're trying to, I'm, my goal is to try to be at least six to eight weeks out, um, with a a service crafted about 80 to 90%. So that may not, I may not know who's doing the offering set up that week, but we want to know what our, our key moments are that, um, are going to make that service, um, memorable and compelling and stuff. So we're constantly, you know, uh, 
tweaking, making little adjustments as we go. But what we found is that um, is there's less pressure to innovate every week when like we, we're not dealing with like, oh gosh, Sunday's coming. We don't have time to deal with this or we don't have time to make something huge. We've just got to get through Sunday, you know? Right. And that pressure mounts to where you end up not doing anything that matters. You do everything that's safe. And so for us, you know, a good example would be for Easter. We had our, um, we had our, our, before we ever started planning Easter, we started mapping out all of January, February, and March. Because once we had that to that 80 or 90% uh, readiness, um, we it took a lot of the pressure off for us uh, during each week to be getting that to the point, getting just a regular Sunday to happen. Um, so it created some margin for us to be able to actually make Easter all that, uh, that much better. And, um, and, and the scale of what Easter was, was a little bit bigger than a regular week. So it took just more time. And, um, so by creating those rhythms, that's helped us a ton to actually create the margin to innovate. Um, same thing with, with Christmas or, you know, in any big service that we do. Um, but by kind of can, can creating that rhythm of being six to eight weeks out in advance, um, that allows us to spend more time on a certain week or a certain moment when we need to, without the pressure of, of, you know, trying to do everything else that it takes to just make a regular Sunday happen. We've already done a lot of that work, um, in the weeks before. And, and when something, when change happens, when an adjustment happens, we're not working off of a blank slate. We're working off of, of adjusting a plan that's already pretty solid and we can, um, we're not having to innovate from scratch. So, so you talked a little bit about, you hit on this a little bit of the, the weekly rhythm. Um, yeah. what, what does, what does a weekly rhythm look like for your team and, and you guys? For, let's see, for us, I would say it starts with, um, you know, Sunday is, is, is game time, you know, for us. And I kind of walked through a little bit of that for, for that weekly about, or the morning evaluation, how we do that. So we do our, our rehearsal, our production run through, and then our first service. And then we, we gather together and evaluate um, that service, make any adjustments we need. And then we got two more services on Sunday. Um, for, are you looking for a weekly rhythm for our whole team or for me? Yeah. Uh, let's start with your whole, your, your team. What's it look like for, okay. for your team? Yeah. So I was, as a whole, um, Monday is the day where our whole team is is meeting. So on um, on Monday morning, everybody's kind of getting everything ready for the week ahead or getting caught up. Um, and then Monday afternoon, our whole creative team is meeting together. So uh, I do a one o'clock meeting with our communication or with our um, worship and production team where we're evaluating again what happened Sunday. Sometimes that gives us the margin we need to talk about little things behind like behind the scenes things with our live stream you know stuff that isn't as as pertinent to sunday morning the the urgency isn't as much um there but we we do need to talk about it it might be process stuff that we think we can improve or anything like that um so we're evaluating sunday and then we're we're planning out and looking up looking at that last 10 percent for that upcoming week and the week after um making sure we know what transitions need to feel like making sure we know um who's doing what who's singing what 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 key emotion emotional tone and feel we're looking for for certain songs or certain moments things like that so we do that at one o'clock with worship and production and then at two o'clock i meet with our communications and media team where we're talking through any social media content um our core 
you know, one to two next steps that we're really trying to um, communicate as a church that week and the weeks ahead. Um, you know, so just walking through anything related to communications and media and also any upcoming project um, project management requests that we're getting or communication requests, anything like that. And then at three o'clock, I meet with our whole team. And that's that's usually our chance to talk vision, direction. Um, that's where we're doing a lot of creative brainstorms and um, just having some time as a team just to be able to connect and, and pray together, um, grow together and just and push each other to be. I'm stronger at our roles. So that's the, that's the main day I, I have, have moved from trying to do a bunch of, um, a bunch of meetings to ultimately trying to compress every meeting that we can into that Monday. And then just, just touching base individually if needed um, during the week. And that way the rest of the week is, is for creating and um, meeting with team members, um, going out to lunch with volunteers and, and developing people and, and developing um, creative stuff that matters. So after that, you know, every once in a while, there's we have all we have an all staff meeting once a month and, and stuff like that. But we try to create as much room to actually create instead of you know be locked in a room. <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah. That's a that's a big balance you're gonna you got to strike with meetings versus actually creating things. Yep, uh, meetings can easily overwhelm. Uh, you you talked a little bit about volunteers. Do volunteers play a role into what you guys do on the creative side of things? Yeah, I, I would say it just depends on on which part of the team. And we have uh, like our whole, uh, other than our worship pastor and worship leader, all, our whole um, whole band is all volunteer. Um, so we don't have any anybody um, paid there. Um, you know, we have each each one of our um, core areas of worship production, media, and communications utilizes volunteers. Depending on um, you know what role it is or what um, what project it is, it really depends on on what role. Um, you know, the volunteers play. We, we like we found in my four years as communications director, I went through every different. It felt like every different kind of rhythm of trying to create ways that I could get people in, involved in in communications. And at the end of the day, we found the the best ways to get people plugged in there are for us at least are photographers and writers, um, trying to get designers into the creative process that that. Uh, we're up to the standard that we were looking to create was just really challenging either sure. by um, by the timelines that we that we are working with or just by skill and, and stuff. And we were we were fighting um, just that process all the time where we just said we're, we're wasting way too much energy on on that. Let's develop the areas that we know we can develop and stuff. So, yeah, every every area looks different. Um, but, um, you know, volunteers at the end of the day, it's it's. We're, we're nothing without them. I mean, we, we want to, um, if anything, a, a lot of what I'm trying to push our team to is, is to be able to spend more time actually just discipling and, and, um, spending more time with those volunteers so that, so that ultimately we can build that creative culture outside of what we're doing as a staff and grow that into more of what we're doing as a, as a whole team and stuff. Cause I think that's where, that's where we're not bumping up against the same, um, scale issues of, of, only what our staff team can do. And we're, we're bringing in volunteers um, that are actually a, a critical core part of our team of what we're building. That's great. Um, I want to change gears just a little bit. Uh, as the creative arts pastor, uh, I, I, I'm sure that you uh, have a lot of ideas and you are, you, you are struck with inspiration, so to speak, from time to time. But does it do you just wait for inspiration to come to you or are you, are you searching constantly? Do you make it a habit to search for things? Uh, I would say early on, I started as, 
really scheduling it. You know, if that was going to a couple inspiration websites, going on Vimeo, looking at and seeing what's trending there and stuff like that, I would schedule that into my week. And really, what I found over probably over the last couple of years for me is that that's now that's more of the lens that I look at life through. Um, it, it impacts what I'm doing all the time. You know, how I'm watching movies, how I'm. Um, walking down the street downtown, um, you know, it, everything. So that, that's really the lens that I look at everything through. So I'm always writing stuff down in Evernote, taking photos. It drives my wife crazy because I'm running back in the mall, taking a photo of something like <laughs> something that I saw. She's like, here he goes again, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's so much of what, um, just how I look at everything now. And I think more than anything, it's made doing that has actually made me more sensitive as an artist, um, than, than I was before, because there's, it's, it's made me, um, be less, uh, instead of just like uh, giving an example early on, I would, I would look at other church, you know, church websites or, um, or services. And I would, I would spend so much time just figuring out like, how did they do that? You know, or, oh man, I wish we could do that and things like that. And it sucked. It was not life giving at all. You know, it, it made me want to imitate things instead of create things. And so by kind of changing gears and just letting that be a lens of how I look at life through, um, it's made me actually be more sensitive as an artist to wonder, um, you know, less, less of like you know, more trying to figure out the heart behind, you know, emotion and how, how people are moved and what moves me, um, how I can, how I can, like tap into moments like that into what we're creating at the time. And it makes it less copying and more of something of just a mindset that I look at life through that is impacting a lot of different things. Even having a kid, I mean, I've got a 15 month old right now. And there's, I, it's funny looking at some of the, uh, some of the things that I've crafted over the last, um, last year have been dramatically impacted by having a son and, and different things that I would have never thought, thought about before. And so I'm, I'm Th- that's helped me as an artist, you know, to be able to think about it that way more so than, you know, look, go into some magazine that I always look at and trying to copy what's trending there and stuff like that. Yeah. Here at uh, my home church, church on the move here in Tulsa, um, Whitney, Whitney George, he was also on our, our podcast not too long ago. He talks about, he was an arts pastor for a long time. He talks about always keeping your radar up, how, uh-huh. how, uh, no matter what you're doing, just, just think, is there any way I can use this? And not just, not just asking that question, but asking how, why does this make me feel how it makes me feel right now? And, exactly. and identifying exactly. that and, and seeing if you can use that in, you know, whatever you're doing. So I love that. Um, you, you wrote a blog that it was called Redefining Excellence um, not too long ago. And how, what does that mean for you to, to redefine excellence? Now, you used to be, um, and maybe it, I'm sure it still is, but that, that people saw excellence as, as perfection, like perfection equals excellence. That was kind of the mm-hmm. target. But you're saying that we should redefine excellence. What does that mean for you? Well, for, for understanding that, I kind of got to go back in my journey of early on, I was, you know, growing up in the church, I was so turned off by seeing other churches try to do things well and just completely miss the mark, you know, and that almost goes back further to the, the buzzword in the church world of early on, it was all about relevance. Like we needed to speak in a language that people understood that um, people connected with. And so once people started to figure that out, they started to realize, okay, 
we can talk the same language, but we're not doing it with the same level of excellence that that actually connects with people. And so that's when excellence became a big buzzword, I think, of the church world always talking about, okay, we need to do things with excellence. And I, I think during that during that season, I think a couple of things were, were um, gained. You know, it, it did push a lot of the church world to be better. I mean, that's where we lost some front page websites. That's where hopefully some churches stopped using papyrus, you know, things like that. There's, <laughs> excellence played an important role in that level. But at the same time, I think um, some people started to worship excellence more than authenticity. Um, and they started to chase cool and chase perfection more than more than uh, um, the heart behind what they're even doing, chasing in, in the first place. And so um, I've seen that impact a lot of people, you know, in in my in the creative field. I mean, I'm 30 and I'm, I see so many young creatives just focusing just on what a church like Church on the Move is doing or what, um, you know, what some what, you know, another church is doing that they just love. And, and instead of instead of chasing what they think could actually be excellent for, for their, their context, they're just trying to copy. And so at the end of the day, that's really challenging because you may not have a creative team like church on the move. You may not live in that same city and you may not know why they're doing what they're doing. Um, and so I think at the end of the day, excellence is less about perfection. It's not about this, um, this just, sense of, okay, this is the best thing that we could create and there's nothing wrong with it. It's not about perfection. It's about doing the best you can with what you have and what you've been given. And so at the end of the day, I mean, I see, I think that if we could focus more on being good stewards of what we're doing and um, being a good steward of what we've been given, it's, that's, I think that's excellence. I think, you know, being a good steward of what you have is, is excellence because it may be that, you know, you don't have a creative team of, of 10 people or something like that, but you've got two. Well, if you chase perfection, then you're, you're never going to do great work. You know, you're, you're always going to feel like, okay, we can't, we don't have a, a, a huge team like the, another shirt has. But if you focus on maximizing everything that you can do with those two people, it can be a game changer for you. And then that's, and that's, um, that's being a good steward of what God's given you. And what I've found through that is when you chase, um, good stewardship, you actually are, you're given more, you know, you're, you're, you're able to maximize more with what you have. And, and that's where I, th- at the end of the day, I think that's less frustrating for creatives than trying to, to chase um, perfection and chase excellence. That's great. The, the, you touched on this just a shade. Why is it so important to be authentic as a church these days? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the language of our culture. You know, it's especially, especially millennials. I mean, that's the, um, if, if something's not authentic, if that doesn't feel real and um, if you don't feel like somebody's a church or a, a leader isn't being saying what they actually feel or saying what they actually mean. I mean, it's, you lose any connection with it and stuff. So I think for, for us as a church, it's, I've, I've learned a lot from, um, from the church I'm at now in that when I was going around early on, I love asking people in our church who have been there for a long time and new people like, Hey, what drew you to our church? What was the thing that, um, that brought you here and what keeps you coming? You know, what, what draws you to our community? And I, I swear like nine times out of 10, when I would ask people that they would say authenticity, they wouldn't say like, Oh, I love your services. They're done so well, you know, or the message every week is just the best, you know, it's, it was authenticity and that just captivated me. And honestly, that was a big part of, of what God was teaching me about excellence um, and stewardship and all those things. And because I'm like, wow, that's, 
that's so interesting. And you look at even at our political process right now of what is turning people off. Like it, it's frustrating to look at politicians and know they're saying things that they don't even mean. They're just saying things because that's what they know other people want to hear, you know? And so I think as churches, if we can, you know, we can stop chasing coal and stop be, trying to be some other church down the street and just be who God authentically called us to be. I think that's where um, we can actually have opportunity to connect with the, the people that God's putting in our path. And it, that goes for the churches, but it also goes for leaders, you know, for us as leaders of, of, I mean, we have to be real and vulnerable and there's a different level of pressure on us to be authentic because nobody uh, I mean I, we're more drawn to people's scars than we are their perceived perfection you know we want to we want to follow real vulnerable people that don't have some facade of perfection and so um, at the end of the day for churches and for leaders authenticity is the is going to be what takes us um, takes us further in our leadership and and take us further in how we can connect with other people because that's the very thing that draws um, everybody uh, to to do doing something that matters. That's so good. Um, right now, we want to take a minute and get to know you as a person in a segment we call Rapid Fire. So here I have a few questions, and we might have sent these over, but we might not have. Typically, we don't, but I think you might have got a preview <laughs> preview to them. So you'll just just answer these. Uh, you know, these are these are personal, not not too personal, but these are uh, these are some personal questions. So are you ready to go? All right, bring it. All right, so I'm going to hit you with some questions, and uh, you have no time to answer, or you have no time to think about it. you got to just answer these, okay? So uh, what, is your, what is your favorite TV show of all time? Oh, um, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, okay. Yep. Okay, yes. I've got I, a long list, but that would, I would say that would That, that would is be a tough. beautifully crafted television show. That's yes. a wonderful one. Um, if you were not doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing instead? Ooh, um, hmm. I would probably I would probably be a record producer. That's what I'd want to do. Yeah. Who would be your top band? Who would be your your number one band that you were a producer of? And when we talk DC, if we're talking history, I still got to go with DC Talk. I don't <laughs> I, I don't listen to them the same frequency, but I, I, there was never a higher um, moment for me in. A concert than than watching DC Talk Jesus Freak Tour with Audio Adrenaline. Oh man! Um, so I, I I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with that. That's solid. Um, I'm gonna get yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna get um, made fun of for this, aren't I? Hey, there's no shame in it. There's no shame in loving DC <laughs> Talk. It's such a, that's such a good record. Uh, is there any? Uh, what's one album that you're listening to right now? Oh, um, the new Johnny Swim album, the new live album is unbelievable. Loving that. I have not checked that out. I'll have to. I'll have to look into yeah, it. Yeah, I got to check it out. Okay, you're at an ice cream shop. What flavor are you choosing? All right, I am. So I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, and in Cincinnati, there's an incredible place called Grater's Ice Cream, and everyone, it, a lot of places have it at Kroger. So if you see it, you need to get it. Um, but there's a flavor called black raspberry chip that is a game changer and they will be serving that at heaven. I guarantee it. Um, so black raspberry chip from graders. Is this a cone or a cup? Uh, it's the pint. I mean, that's, that's okay. what you get there. You don't, I mean, you can get them in a cup, but that's just, that's, um, that's poor stewardship there. You need to go straight <laughs> to the freezer and get the pint of it That's and, good. Um, and take advantage there. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Last, last question here. 
If you if you were a boxer, what would be your entrance song? ACDC Back in Black. Yes. That is a solid one. That's a great answer. <laughs> hey, well, Phil, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Um, you can email me anytime at phil at philbowdle.com. Uh, you can tweet me at philbowdle. Uh, my website is philbowdle.com there as well. Um, so any any of those ways are, are easy ways to get in touch with me. We'd we'll lo- we'll love to connect with you. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Hey, thanks so much. Man, what a great interview, Roman. I love the talk about the weekly rhythm and finding your weekly rhythm, your flow. Yes, it's uh, very important. A very, very big deal. Uh, Phil, once again, thank you for joining us on the show today. And Roman, if anybody wants to get in touch with us, how do they go about doing that? Jared, uh, man, this world that we live in today, there are so many ways to connect with, uh, I mean, me and you can connect with each other by just talking, but yeah. we can't do that with all of our listeners. No. Not necessarily. Uh, so we're on these things called social media. Go on. Like, and it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are we are at these places. Yeah. At creative underscore sheep is is how you get a hold of us. Okay. Uh, and and even just Google hey Google creative sheep and we'll yeah. come we'll come up. You can you reach it. out to us. Uh, follow us on those uh, social media platforms, and we'd love to connect with you. Answer any questions you might have, or uh, maybe just ask us if uh, you know, like ask us what our favorite beverage is and we'll let you know we we will uh and folks don't forget join us hit that subscribe button so you can join us on the next episode yes episode 40 here we go 40 episode 40 uh we're gonna be talking with kevin moore the senior pastor the founder the church planter of the church at visalia uh out in california it is a phenomenal conversation i cannot wait do not want to miss so hit subscribe so that you can check out the next episode until then We'll see you then. Farewell.